The new TV season is back, and we're here for it. This is the Geek Confidential Podcast. Hey, hey. Dan Pierce is also joining us. Welcome, Del. Del. How's it going? Welcome, Dan. <laughs> How's it going? Good. I'm Dan, not Mel. Right, right. Well, I combined D for Dan and L for Mel, and it just ended up Del. But we'll roll with it. So this podcast is just going to be sort of a conversation about what everybody's watching in new and returning TV. It's been a few weeks since we had an episode. There's been a lot of things that have premiered. There have been new shows. We've had um, everything from Manifest, which we talked about on the fall preview. We've had A Million Little Things, Murphy Brown, um, Magnum P.I., which was uh, one of the shows that I was looking forward to. New Amsterdam um, It has premiered. There's been some good comedies. There's been some good dramas. Also, we've had the returning shows. We've had Grey's Anatomy, The Gifted, um, The Flash, Black Lightning, just to name a few. And then there have been shows that are returning, but with new character or new actors in the lead role, like Doctor Who. We have Jodie Whittaker, who made her debut as the first female doctor. Um, and so there's a lot to discuss. Mel, what show really caught your attention that you've been watching? I know when we had the fall TV preview, you were really excited about Manifest. Have you been able to um, watch it? And did it live up to the hype? So, yes, I have been keeping up with Manifest. The pilot aired. Um, I was definitely interested in it. I feel like the first 15 minutes of the show was definitely its strongest. As it goes on, it was like, okay, I see how this can go. We are following the lives of all of the passengers, our main family being the Stone family. And, you know, the um, his sister, whose name is Michaela, um, she, it turns out that she was a police detective and she's still trying to solve cases. But then there's this supernatural aspect of it where, you know, they're hearing things and it's leading them to solve these mysterious crimes. Kind of like what we we're talking about early, like it's reminding everyone of early edition, the show from the 90s. So I was like, OK, OK. But, you know, it was a little like, eh, maybe we'll see how long they can keep this up. Episode two aired, and I feel like everything started to come together. They were dallying more in the family drama. You know, you're finding out that, um, spoiler alert, that Michaela's man ended up marrying her best friend, who was like always kind of, I would say maybe jealous of their relationship, but always saying how lucky she was, and you're following more lives of the passengers, and one of them ends up murdered, and then come to find out our main family, um, Ben and his wife, Grace. Turns out Grace got another man on the side, and she not trying to tell him. Oh, it was just full of drama, and I, I feel like now, now I'm like, I'm in it. I'm in it. I want more episodes. I'm kind of getting excited for it to come on the TV. So as it goes on, it gets a little better and better every week. Dan, what new show has stuck out for you this fall? 
Uh, for me, it's got to be single parents. I've watched two out of the three uh, episodes that have aired, and I gotta say, it's a lot of fun. Uh, Leighton Meester is great as a single mom who's struggling to come to terms with, uh, you know, the dad left, and the son is trying to detach, like, trying to gain the courage to emotionally detach himself from the mom and exert some independence through, like, a sleepover and stuff. Um... You know, all of these characters have such different dynamics, um, but when they work in unison, they really help one another and stuff like that, and you get to see that. And the coolest part is that the kids are just as much of characters as the parents are. So they can drive story, and they're just as strong of actors. They they really got some great kids in this lineup. Um and overall, it's just like a, a fun 22-minute, you know, time. I, I highly recommend it. This fall season for me, um, Manifest, um, I've really enjoyed it. Um, it's one of my three new favorite shows of the season because Mel touched on a lot of it. I'll just say that I'm on board. I'm watching it. I hope that it continues to build. I think that it will. I'm not sure how long, like, the longevity of the premise, but it's only season one we'll see how it goes i'm really loving new amsterdam um it's a medical drama that i'm i'm watching other than gray's anatomy and i sometimes have a hard time sticking with with uh new medical dramas because gray's anatomy is so good it's comfort food why should i look watch another one but I'm really liking New Amsterdam. I like the premise about a guy, uh, a guy who's coming in, shaking up this hospital that um, serves the UN and other prisons and various other things. He's also suffering from cancer. There's a number of really engaging characters on it. I've thoroughly enjoyed it. A, mil- a Million Little Things on ABC. This Is Us is too like heart-wrenching for me to watch. A Million Little Things is just sort of my compelling friend-slash-family drama that I'm really enjoying week to week. There's a little bit of a mystery as to why the one of the main characters committed suicide. There's um, a mystery as to what he left behind or what was his motivation for doing it. Was it the fact that his wife was having an affair with one of his th- uh, t- three best friends? The act, once again, the actors on this show were really well cast. Each of them fits their role perfectly, and I'm thoroughly enjoying it. Another show that I've enjoyed a lot, and it's just sort of a guilty pleasure, is Magnum P.I. Uh, unfortunately, there are no short shorts, and the mustache is missing, but we have had nods to the mustache um, when he was shaving for, um, in one of his flashback scenes. So there's that. It's a fun show. It's never going to be one of those ones that is is going to win an award, but I don't think really when you think about the original Magnum P.I., you didn't watch it for some highbrow stuff. It was just a lot of fun, and that's what this one is too. Mel, what are some other shows that stuck out for you that um, premiered? Um, let's see. I feel like Will and Grace came back really strong. I laughed a lot during that pilot. Um, Black Lightning. Can we just have a discussion about the episode that just aired of Black Lightning? Because holy crap, you want to talk about so many things going on at the same time. I mean, we killed what two villains to start off with. 
Um, Jennifer, her powers are so strong that she is literally levitating and glowing while she's sleeping. Um, Jefferson's not going to be the principal of Garfield High anymore, and they want to shut the school down. I, there are so many things going on in just that one episode. It was fantastic. Not only that, but you have Anissa going vigilante and yes. stealing money from drug dealers, and you have the community trying to raise money and just the idea that they have to sue just so they can have their children back mm-hmm. is like the most insane concept ever. And yet and we're it, seeing it in real life. Right. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Mm-hmm. But it, it's just like, holy cow, like everything mm-hmm. is happening Oh. And his his cop friend figured out that he that Jefferson Pierce was black lightning just by using common freaking sense. Like when it's does that ever damn happen? Time. When does that ever oh. happen on a TV show? It's just like, oh my gosh, yes. He was so. Oh. I thought I thought that in addition, uh, what I love about that show, at least so far, is that they're keeping the story small. It's all about the family. I, uh, it will be interesting to see how that expands over the season because it it does look like it could head that way because of the mother storyline, but for now I'm really enjoying this. Yes. I'm also really glad that we didn't have any of that Lala nonsense from last season yet. When the kid the kid came back to life. From taking the green, what is it? Green lightning, green whatever. I can't remember. But that's what I thought Lala was going to show up. I was like, oh, Lord, here he comes. He's coming. <laughs> uh, and then he didn't show up, and I was like, okay, this is good. Okay, this is fine. This is fine. He's not going to, like, die or kill someone or get another tattoo. Or t- it, it, it's just fine. Dan, what did you think of the Flash season premiere? I, I We'll go back and forth between new and returning shows, but the Flash is back if it, it's a day that ends in why Barry's screwing things up but it and it, it seems that his daughter um inherited that technique his daughter inherited the technique to be shady with the timeline because holy cow she just wanted to go back to hang out with her dad there's no actual damage being done to the timeline yet although if, if Barry has any say in it it's gonna get damaged basically this um, the character of Nora has uh, anti-tachyons on her, essentially, which are making her not run as fast. Um, and it's entirely her doing. She's just using them so she could hang out with her dad longer. Because, spoiler alert, if you guys don't... Like, in season one, they kept hinting, like, at, the, at that newspaper in... Um, in Thawne's, like, future room in the in the labs, where it's like the Flash goes missing. Well, now we're finally getting that. We're finally, they're kind of delivering on a season one element, which is super cool. Um, that being said, at, by the end of the episode, Barry's like, when Nora's like, yeah, I should probably go home. And Barry's like, no, why don't you stay? Why don't we bond with you and you hang out with us? I'm like... Barry, Barry, I understand you want to get to know your daughter, and that's super admirable. And there's, like, a lot of weird tension between her and uh, Iris, which, which I, probably... See, that was one of the things that I picked up on, too. But it's, it's not so much weird as I think it's going... It's, it's sad 
but then it's also going to be something that grows and builds to the point where it boils over in the season. I think that since we learned that um, Nora never knew her dad, that she's wanting to spend so much time with Barry. But because of that, she's not in her reality. She's had Iris in her life, and there's hints that something might have happened between them that maybe they had a falling out. I'm not saying that it is, but that's the vibe I got. And so, I like she, the pun. She doesn't. She doesn't spend a lot of time. Like she's not very interested in spending time with Iris, and Iris is the one who wants to spend a lot of time with her but is then seeing Barry and Nora spend all this time together. And I'm wondering if we're going to end up with a jealous parent dynamic because she feels like, uh, because Iris feels that she is not being fulfilled in the return of their daughter from the future. That'd be pretty interesting. I also really like in the episode how they're using Ralph and how like they're, they're, basically saying everything that we've been saying for the last year where they have they didn't include ralph in the last crossover with crisis on earth x so he doesn't know about time travel and alternate universes or any of that stuff and so when he sees nora and he hears about the legends and he starts coming up with all of these theories about a mini verse as he called it or a multiverse or whatever. It's just one of those things where it's like, Oh, that's right. You weren't there. Finally, finally they're dealing with this, but the flash team can't deal with Ralph being dumb right now, but the audience is sort of like endeared by it. I don't know. I was also very excited to see Wally. I know we're not going to see him very much uh, moving forward with both Legends of Tomorrow and The Flash, but so any time we have with him is appreciated time. And when they phased an airplane through a building... It took three of them, though. It, I know it took three of them, but, like... And to have Barry recite word-for-word word the monologue that Thawne gave to him about phasing through objects was chilling absolutely awesome and just one of those things where you're reminded of like thawne had to create barry in order for thawne to go home yes thawne is evil but he had to create good in order to further his own ends right uh it, it's just, it, and to see that getting past that element of Barry's character getting past to his daughter in the way he teaches her is just, it's so just rewarding. And it, like, I know I harp on The Flash, like, a lot, but this was a, honestly a really strong episode. Mel, The Gifted is back. Have you been able to keep, mm-hmm. watch the episodes? Yes, I am all caught up on the gifted. Is it not good or what? So it's good. I really like it. Like I loved all of those scenes where Polaris was giving birth and you see like the full extent of her power and everything's going crazy. Oh, I thought all of that was fan flipping fantastic. I loved all of the scenes this past week, especially with Marco finally get to seeing his kid and you know she has the light problems kind of like he had and she needs to be exposed exposed to the certain kind of light i thought that was all super interesting um we have our von strucker family they're 
uh, a bit separated right now because Mr. Emo Kid has gone off and decided that he wants to be with our quote-unquote villains who want the mutants to basically be number one and take over the world. He's so emo and it drives me insane. Um, um, let's see what else is going on. So Boo Boo Kitty from Empire. I know, right? She's, she's a great addition to this season. So here's my only, my only little ugh, thing with her. So what exactly is her power? Like, I understand, like, is she screaming? Is this, is it her breath? Like, what, what is going on with her power? This is one thing that I am not going to be able to, uh, like, I'm not even going to pretend to understand it from a comic book standpoint. And we will have to get clarification from Mo on that in the future. I've sa- I've, I've interpreted it for myself as like a supersonic sound that basically is not normal level, sort of like dog well, whistles. Yeah, yeah, is that the yeah. It's like you know, out of control. Because I understand, like you know, it, the longer it goes, the worse it gets. Like everything shakes and people can't hear, and it's like the brains are exploding. And I'm like, what? What exactly is going on? I guess I would kind of wouldn't have minded a little bit more of an introduction to our character rather than you know, she we first meet her. Out? Exactly. We first meet her at the board meeting with the triplets, and then in five minutes, she has literally destroyed the entire room and everybody in it. And I was like, oh, okay, so you're the big bad. I got that. And you have this crazy, ridiculous power. Got that. But who are you? Like, (laughs) that's kind of how I felt about it. But other than that, that's kind of my only little, like, uh, thing about the show, but I feel like the rest of it is really great. And then they brought the detective from the first season back, the one that has it out for our mutants. He is back in it and he is coming back for our heroes. And I hope he doesn't succeed. Um, But other than that, I feel like the show is still going really strong. I completely agree. Dan, have you been watching it? I have not. Of course Um, not. This is going to be another timeless. It's okay. There are, there are so many freaking shows that are just around and I'm watching them and I have so many shows coming up and the CW is going to take my soul and daredevil comes back Friday excuses. The CW shows have not even been back until this last week. And the gifted has been back at least three. So you cannot, you cannot say that your time has been monopolized by all these shows when at least 60 to 70% of the shows you watch are not back. Big Mouth uh, season two returned uh, last week. This week, three of the CW shows that I watch have returned. Like, and so for the two weeks prior to Big Mouth's return, um, there, uh, there, uh-huh, there. Uh huh. Uh-huh. I'm just there have been others. I was working on, and I'm still working on it. Uh, Stand versus Evil. Oh, Stand Against Evil. Uh, that's on IFC and also Hulu. Mel, do you uh, get the sense he doth protest too much? See. Yeah, I thought. Yes, so. I do. Dan, what else are you watching? I am loving Riverdale so much. And I love how much progress like happens in between the seasons where we get to kind of go back into their lives. Like suddenly uh, Sweet Pea and Josie have a thing and I'm like, okay, those two having a summer fling, I can get behind that. Sweet Pea being a contract character, them giving Josie a love interest and a storyline. I could get behind this. Um, Kevin and Moose have like 
uh, a virginity uh, deadline that they want to accomplish. I'm like, all right, you go, guys. Well, um, they could just fix that together, couldn't they? Yeah, yeah, but Moose seems like hesitant toward the whole situation because I, I think he's still grieving Midge mm. in some capacity. Because um, I mean, she she was kind of murdered really violently, and then he was he went into a relationship with Kevin, maybe not fully grieve yet. But needless to say, um, you know, Archie, Archie's still so dumb. See, I, here's I, the thing yeah. about Riverdale, and Mel. Before I go into it, have you watched Riverdale? Not quite. I am behind. Okay, so there's only one episode, so you're not too far behind. Here is my problem with Riverdale, and it's a problem that we are now what three seasons into it. Yeah. Besides the fact that Archie is an idiot, I have a really hard time with these drastic extremes that Archie goes through. One moment he's the leader of this gang of rabble rousers who are basically going uh, vigilantes. There's the word I'm looking for. Thank you, thank you, Luke. Um, he's he's the leader of a group of vigilantes. He's ready to beat up anybody, and he's going really dark, working for Veronica's dad. The next moment or at least for us, considering this was picking up from the end of last season, he is falling on his sword rather than taking legal advice from his mother so that he can be a hero and end up in a psych ward. And I I just hate how there is no nuance with Archie. I wish that there was some level of... the middle ground in which he could just have a little bit of normalcy with and have things happen and act like a normal teen without these drastic extremes. Betty has drastic extremes, but you also see her humanity. She's not an idiot and she does. And there are things that ground her. Veronica. She's the only one doing homework. Right. Veronica, (laughs) ironically, the quote unquote airhead of classic Archie comics is the one who has consistently been the most grounded of all the characters, even when she's having really good and really bad things happening to her, which then leads me to Jughead, who I've always had difficulty with him. Speaking of emo, um, Mel and the gifted, but I have problem with him because he's he was so depressing in the first season. In the second season, it was woe is me. And last season, I got a sense of this too, but, and it was just the same this season where he gets these causes and the causes, whether it's a big cause like the serpents or it's a really small cause, there's all a lot of these little incidental not really important things that he takes up as causes and all of a sudden blows them up into this massive issue now obviously the plot for the season is going to be this mystery that he that we got to see in the cliffhanger and i won't spoil that since mel hasn't watched it but in this episode when they're looking i realize that a mascot is a big deal and losing it can be a big deal but the way he was handling it was just 
way too over the top. So for me, Jughead and Archie are just the weakest links of that show. Dan, what are you thinking of the season? Or the season premiere? I, I, I did really enjoy the season premiere, but I do agree that, um, you know, J- Jughead's handling of the situation was probably not the best. I, as much as I really enjoy, like, the return of Hot Dog, he really didn't need to return, like, he's more of a plot point than anything else, which, understandably so, since he's a dog, um, but still, it's just, and even, like, the little incidental things sometimes frustrate me, like, I can't imagine F.P., giving a teenager a tattoo just in case they go to prison. I can't imagine Archie's dad being okay with it. Yeah. Well, also, like, FP wouldn't do that to Fred before, like, in any circumstance. So why would, like, I'd have just, it's so fresh. And why is, uh... Uh, Molly Ringwald leaving if Archie's gonna fall on his sword like this. Like, are you... Oh, oh sorry, things didn't work out, Fred. Uh, I'm just gonna go back to Chicago. Bye. Why? What What reasoning is this? And now all of the dads of Riverdale are gonna, like, help out and stuff. And so I'm just sitting there like, alright, clearly someone's been uh, reading Tumblr. Like, just reading all of Tumblr because it's all about the dads of Riverdale at this point because well, let's face they it, had the tumbler for the dads of riverdale in real life is pretty good anyways yeah well they're all it's... sexy if they weren't all sexy i, don't know. I know sheriff oh <laughs> honey marcus Reynolds. oh my god right 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 um but we digress he's the only yeah he's the only dad in riverdale mark or like hiram that's not going to be helping out it's just going to be fp and uh, Kevin's dad and uh, Fred. So it's like, okay, I guess this this is gonna be a thing. Well, and, and and then we have... also can we can we talk about Betty and uh, Polly and the sales? Oh god! I don't, oh don't want to go too much into it because it is sort of a big thing. In it's a yes. big moment, and I don't want to spoil it for Mel. Um, I agree, but. I will just say this. Cheryl Blossom got a good entrance. Yes. But I sort of had a WTF moment at towards the end when she went all Hunger Games. Maybe it, I need to go back and watch, but I had not realized that she was an expert archer. Had that, oh, yeah. She, like, had I forgotten that? She put an arrow in Betty's dad at the end of last season. And, like, they had been, like, hinting that she was good with a bow and arrow all last season. Oh, okay. Um, but it wasn't so much. So there weren't a lot of instances to really drive it home. No, there okay. were only about, like, two or three tops. Um, that said, at that distance from that angle with her bow, she thinks she could put an arrow between Penny Peabody's eyes. It's just not, it, uh, it's not, it's not lot. Well, it's not driven in realism. And I understand this show is trying to avoid realism at the moment. 
It's they, just they, one of those listen, things. I finally saw the scene for the, uh, Sabrina on Netflix. They might as well just go full on Sabrina at this point. Between between the archery and the thing that we will not discuss because Mel hasn't watched it, we're well on our way. Oh, yeah. But the best part of Riverdale is that they can weave in and out from the supernatural to the realism and then just go back to like just go back and forth. It's fine. It's just one of those things that like by I, I understand season three, we're a little far off. We don't want to do another serial killer. It's just one of those like, are we ready? Is everything really established for us to be able to do this? I don't know. You know, we'll we'll have to wait and see. Um, but I will say I'm excited for how the Coopers handle everything. Let's talk a little bit about the shows that we might have already taken off of our DVR. Um, Mel, I don't know how many of those have been for you, but I gave um, several shows a try that I've discontinued. FBI on CBS, I believe it is. It's not a bad show. It's just that I don't have that much room for television and another um, in crime scene investigator show. I would rather watch Magnum P.I. than that. So I dropped it. Um, I dropped the cool kids on Fox. Same. Which I I tuned into it and I gave it two or three episodes because I'm a really big Beverly Leslie fan. I will watch him in pretty much anything and give it a try because of him. But I just couldn't. Uh, then I feel bad, which wasn't bad on NBC. It, it was solid, but I found myself just thinking, okay, I get this. But when the, when the grandparents are the two most interesting characters, I'm a little bit concerned, unlike blackish where I'm interested in all the generations, uh, with I feel bad, I'm really only interested in the grandparents providing comedic timing. I'm not interested in the work life of the husband and wife. I'm not interested in the children. It just didn't feel that way. At the same time, I'm really enjoying Modern Family being back. So I dropped the cool kids, I feel bad, um, and FBI. Murphy Brown, I could be on the verge of dropping it. I thought that when it premiered, it had a solid premiere. I enjoyed the humor. But with each progressive episode, I'm having difficulty because I feel like they're trying too hard and I'm feeling like the comedy is stilted. Like, I feel like on one hand, the writing is trying too hard. And then I feel like you have, and I'm probably going to be crucified for saying this. I feel like there's some actors who haven't done some acting in a while and they are also, they are also having to brush up on things and the two combined I am not going to name any names on that because I definitely don't want that do it do it no, do it shade. No. but but like I'm sticking with it because I'm sort of ho- hoping that they'll get all in their groove but between the writing and some of the rusty acting I'm having a little bit of a hard time with it Mel uh, what else have you or what have you dropped well, I have two on your list. I tried to watch The Cool Kids, and I was watching it because of Vicki Lawrence. 
I love her. I have loved her since I was a child, but I could not watch that show. I was like, Ugh, this just isn't that funny. So I couldn't watch it. Then I was like, okay, Murphy Brown. I remember a very little of Murphy Brown right. from when I was growing up. Right. Um, it never really came on reruns. So if it didn't come on reruns, I get a chance to watch it. But I was like, okay, I'm going to give it a chance. And I, I definitely agree with you when you say that it's trying too hard because I was watching it and I was like, there is a disconnect here. There is something where it's just not, it's not clicking. Like I feel like the comedy is okay and the writing's just kind of, eh, but I, it's just like, there's something here that's just not gelling well. And when you said that they're trying too hard, I was like, okay, yep. That is absolutely it. I, I think I only watched two episodes and I was like, there's way too much television for me to even attempt to keep watching this. So maybe hopefully it'll get better. Um, but I, it was one that I had to take off. Any others? Um, I think that's the only two that I've deleted that I've just been like, I'm done. Well, but that's all I got right now. Charmed pre- premieres tonight. Um, I, we will see if I'm able to make it through it. The trailer is eye bleeding. Um, so we will see. I am terrified, straight up terrified, because if this show casts a pall on my very fond memories of the original Charmed, which I am not saying that the original Charmed is Shakespeare. What I am saying is that the original Charmed was fun. The the actresses had chemistry. The story and the CGI for the time weren't too bad considering it was on the WB at the time. So you keeping that all in mind, it was one of those I'm in college type, just out of college type shows. I have extremely fond memories and the trailer for the new one is painful to the point of eye bleeds. And if the, if I can't make it through an hour of it, I'm going to be in so much grief. I want to take a minute to talk a little bit about Dr. Who. I'm pretty sure that neither Mel nor um, Dan watch this, correct? Neither of you watch it? Nope. Okay. Nope. I know Mo does. So we'll discuss Dr. Who more in depth when he's on um, next time. But I do want to touch on it because it's a big deal. Jodie Whittaker debuted as the first lead female Dr. Who. She did a fantastic job. Tennant is my favorite doctor. And there were elements like I saw elements of Tennant in her in part because and I wonder if it's because they were on Broadchurch together. There were elements of um, Matt Smith. There were elements of actual I can never say his name right. Eccleston. Um, And there were even some elements of Skeletor, which he is not my favorite doctor. So I won't go there. But I thought she did an amazing fantastic job coming in in a role that there is so much coverage about her being the first female doctor what this could mean for little girls who look up to her what the some of the like mouth breathing that went on about there being a new female doctor I really wanted her to succeed and she did it immensely she came in she made it her own there were there were little easter eggs in the script of things in the past which helped out a lot that the companions the uh, in the past a lot of times it will be the doctor and a companion or there have been a doctor companion and the companion's love interest they'll be on the TARDIS with him this time we're doing a doctor with 
um, three companions, so there's a bit more than the norm. It, none of the companions stuck out for me, but it's early. We'll see how this develops. I suspect that as the season progresses, each of them will have their shining moments. So we'll see how things are at the end of the season. What I was most disappointed in was the villain. I had really hoped that it, with a brand new doctor, considering that the executive or the showrunner had said that they weren't going to be bringing back any of the classic iconic um, Doctor Who villains and that everything was going to be fresh so that they could appeal to the widest audience possible. I had really hoped that we would get a debut villain that would be equal to a debut doctor, and we didn't. The, doc, the, the villain that we got was one that can just go on the trash heap of Doctor Who history, never need to be seen again. That was disappointing for me, but Jodie Whittaker was amazing. She made up for every uh, weakness that the episode had otherwise, and I cannot wait to see the rest of the season. Um, as we wrap this this portion of things up, let's talk a and get to some news and to Venom. Any other thoughts on the TV season thus far? Not everything is aired. We, on this podcast, discuss a lot of CW, and so those, those shows are all rolling out. The only other thing I will say is I, I really enjoyed the season premiere of Supernatural. I thought I watched the entire ep season of Supernatural, but I think I must have missed the last the season finale last year on my DVR or something because it picked up and it was like, wait, I missed something. But the season premiere was really solid. Mel, anything else that's really sticking out for you this season? I have to touch on American Horror Story, Apocalypse. So originally the first episode, I was a little let down. And it, I think it's because I just wanted my witches back. Like I wanted the coven back. Oh, but when you get to episode three and Cordelia and the witches come back, that show starts firing on all cylinders. It is so good. Like you see them come back one by one. You also have the coven of warlocks when Billy freaking Porter is a warlock this season and it is amazing and it's just watching them it's like building up to the apocalypse part basically and you see that there is a male equivalent of the supreme and they've never had a male equivalent of the supreme and that's kind of where we are in the season right now is that he's proved himself this guy He's not actually a warlock. He's basically the devil, like he's the Antichrist. And there was one warlock who was basically suspicious of that, and he got killed for his trouble. So long and short of it is that the male Supreme is now about to take over, and Cordelia is getting weaker, and Jessica Lange is about to come back. And I'm so excited. Like, oh. I'm so happy this show has picked up again. It's kind of getting back on its feet in the last couple of seasons of, huh? So I'm really excited about it. Dan, um, anything else you want to touch on for the TV season thus far? Uh, I mean, Big Mouth uh, was absolutely excellent. It is continuing to be a hilarious, just, it, it it's so creative. It's so crude, but it, it drives in its points. It, like it makes things funny and relatable and it's just overall just a great show to watch highly recommend it yeah other than that i i talked about all of the other shows 
Well, let's talk about a show that we didn't recommend in the first season. The second season improved, but apparently not enough because Netflix canceled it. Iron Fist has been canceled by Netflix, the first of the Marvel Netflix series to be canceled. Dan, are you heartbroken? I'm a little disappointed. Uh, The second season was really good. Um, But the first season obviously had its sharp problems. There's continuing bad press over the casting of Finn Jones as Iron Fist, as Danny Rand. Um, Even though Finn Jones and the production team have done a lot to, I guess, try and understand the concerns and do as much as they can to make sure the character of Danny Rand changes and understands his own mistakes and his own place and everything. Um, It's, it just, it wasn't enough. And that's a sort of disappointing when you consider like, we're not going to get like, if they do a defender season two, we're not going to get Ward. If they do a Defender Season 2, we're not going to get Mary or um, or Ward's sister, you know, Joy. Um, and these, like, those three were really, really good. Could, I char- didn't think you could incorporate Mary. Okay, they can, in- well, no, they can incorporate Mary if they do a Daughters of the Dragon, and they just shift it so it becomes Misty, Mary, and uh, Colleen. That's understandable. They, it's just, you, there are no current plans at Marvel to do a Defender Season 2. So the only time we're getting any more Iron Fist is cameos in Luke Cage, which, okay, they're great. They're fantastic together. I really like them. It's it's just frustrating and it's a kind of a bummer, but it's also understandable because of how bad season one was. I don't know. I have a lot of conflicting feelings on this, but needless to say, I'm a little bummed. I wanted to see where things went. Not going to get that chance. Understandable, but still sad. Mel, what was your reaction to the news? I mean, I didn't waste my time with Iron Fist anyways because I was like, I refuse to watch this. I don't care how good y'all say this is. And when I heard it was canceled, I was like, see, I knew I didn't have no business trying to watch that show. But I do kind of feel like if it was like, you know, kind of on the up and up, maybe they should have given it another season. But these Netflix cancellations always kind of come out of left field you kind of never really know where they're going I guess with Netflix at least I haven't figured it out yet so I mean we'll see where that goes y'all definitely brought up an interesting point where you know you can have Iron Fist make cameos on other shows so I can see where that's going I actually didn't know they weren't planning on doing a Defenders season two I mean I didn't think it was awful it wasn't great but it wasn't awful i i would have watched the season two if they came up with one but i guess we kind of see how it goes but usually iron fist is on the bottom of the totem pole in all of the netflix appearances that we've seen so i it is for me of the ones i've watched i haven't actually watched punisher Mm-hmm. So it's uh, for the Punisher is the bottom for me because I just haven't watched. I don't have the, any desire to watch that much violence. Um, I 
I'm sad in the fact that I thought that the final hook of season two was one that was going to make season three a lot of fun. But I am totally happy if they are just able to incorporate those characters into other shows. If Danny Rand shows up on Luke Cage, wonderful. If Daredevil needed a little bit of financial help against the Kingpin for something and gets the help of Meacham, fine. Or if Danny is the one who facilitates that, fine. I, Colleen is the one from that series that I'll miss the most. Let's talk a little bit about a movie that came out by the name of Venom. Tom Hardy is the yes. star. Michelle Williams is the love interest. Um, I'm going to just preface this. Our podcast, we've talked about a lot about hair over the years. I do not know what Michelle Williams did to deserve that hair, but it was the worst wig I've seen in a very long time. That being it's said, bad. Tom Hardy was fantastic. He provided a lot of nuance to a character that could probably use it just to make it more appealing. The dynamic between his character and the the Venom symbiote, if we're going to, I'm going to just call it a symbiote, um, was good. Going into it, the reviews that I had been told by multiple people was that it was a fun movie, but the CGI was bad. And that is exactly what that movie is. It's a fun movie, but the CGI is bad. Dan, yeah. I know you've seen it. What'd you think? I, I agree with you 100%. I also thought the reviews were a little harsh on it, but then I I wasn't sure if the reviews were legit or, or like, Lady Gaga fans were... Because, like, this turned into an internet version of, like, Venom versus A Star is Born, where, like, Marvel nerds versus, like, Lady Gaga fans. And it was just the weirdest dynamic imaginable. But needless... Back to the movie... The movie was a lot of fun. Tom Hardy really committed to the role. I've read a lot of uh, Venom comics just over the years and stuff. And so seeing the nuance of Eddie Brock being portrayed on the big screen without the ridiculousness of Topher Grace was just wonderful. You know, he fully committed to the, the Brooklyn accent. He really went all out trying to be the good guy even though he knows it's going to cost him everything and doing the right thing is going to cost him everything and he he's just kind of a loser in that respect but that's what makes eddie brock's like rise to trying to do the right thing but ultimately failing and then succeeding at the very end so rewarding you know you get to see all of these um you know valleys and peaks and it's just, it's really interesting. Riz Ahmed was fantastic uh, playing Riot. Oh my gosh. He was such a good, um, uh, Carlton Drake, I believe, was his character's name. He was so, so good at playing such a cold character who doesn't really care about people. And I gotta say, they did Jenny Slate wrong in this movie. Uh, Je Jenny Slate deserved better than to be killed in this movie. Like, they get a big actress in Jenny Slate, and then you kill her. Like, come on now. That's not cool. Um, but I'm really excited for any possible sequel that they do where we get Venom vs. Carnage. That's really, like, a huge point that they really need to work on. Um, and 
execute properly because people are really interested in Cletus Cassidy and want to know more of the carnage stuff and want to know how, you know, Eddie and Venom deal with that, especially in the environment of being moved to a new city and stuff like that in San Francisco as opposed to New York. Um, I really like the, the Easter eggs of John Jameson and all of the various stuff around the city that uh, I love the Stan Lee cameo, obviously that was a lot of fun. Um, and yeah, they like Venom and Eddie both played by Tom Hardy really had a lot of great chemistry and for Tom Hardy to have great chemistry with himself and for it to be believable that he is two different characters is fantastic. And he needs to be applauded for that alone. Anything else that you guys are looking forward to upcoming in the world of geek next week is my grandma, my great grandmother's 93rd birthday. So we are not going to be recording podcasts next week. So it'll be two weeks before we can record again. Anything that you guys are looking forward to? I'm assuming Dan that arrow is at the top of your list. Uh, arrow and daredevil season three. And Sabrina. then the following isn't Sabrina coming oh. out too. Sabrina's coming out too. Uh, the following week, Legends is coming back. Uh, in November, we're getting um, the next installment of Fantastic Beasts, which I hear good things about. Um, there's a lot to be excited about. Mel, what are you looking forward to? Um, definitely want to check out Sabrina and the Timeless movie finale which kind of really breaks my heart, but they posted that the script was done. I think they're supposed to be shooting soon, but I can't wait. Okay. Uh, well, it's going to be an interesting couple weeks. See how things play out. We thank you so much for listening. You can find us on Twitter at GK Confidential. You can find us on Facebook at J- GK Confidential. I'm on Twitter at Luke underscore Kerr. Mel is at, at Melody Akles, and Dan is Real Dan Pierce. Uh, we thank you for listening. Until next time, so long. See you guys. Bye, y'all.